Jewish audio on Kabbalah.org. Okay, good morning. Chapter 29, verse 9, the double portion of Nitzavim Vayelech. Even though this is a double portion, the entire portion of Nitzavim has 40 verses. The entire portion of Ayelech has 30 verses. So together they are still one of the shortest portions of the Torah, 70 verses altogether. But the first combined Aliyah is a hefty one. It deals with the covenant which Moshe Rabbeinu caused the Jewish people to enter into on the day of his passing. So we're moving up on the calendar to the actual day of Moshe's passing, the seventh day of Adar. In the 40th year, uh, 2488, and Moshe causes the children of Israel to enter into an oath regarding idol worship, regarding pagan idol worship. And he gathers them all together, again, chapter 29, verse 9. Atem nitzavim hayom kulchem. You, says Moshe, are all standing here today, lifnei Hashem Elokeichem, before Hashem your God. And he goes on to enumerate the various groups and classes of people. Roshechem Shivteichem, you have the heads of your tribes, the movers and the shakers. Ziknechem, your elders. Visheitrechem, your officers. You have, as my Zayde would say, the Congress light. Kel ish Yisrael, every single Jewish individual. So various classes, leaders, elders, movers, shakers, just plain, I guess you would say, uh, pedestrians. Nine Rashi, Atem Nitzovim, Melamedis teaches us, that Moshe Rabbeinu gathered every single Jewish man, woman, and child together on the day of his passing. For what purpose? To have them sign a treaty, to have them enter into a covenant. What covenant? That they will not engage in idol worship or idolatrous practices. Roshechem shivteichem. Roshechem lishivtechem, heads of your tribes. So this refers to the governors, the senators, the congressmen, the council people. Ziknechem bishetrechem, hechoshuv choshuv kedem. They are enumerated from top to bottom. And then we come to call Ish Yisrael, all of the Jewish men. And then in the next verse, he says, women, children, Every single Jew is there, standing, entering into this covenant. The Balaturim here says, the word that is chosen here for usage is Nitzovim, as it says, by Mount Sinai, by Yisyatsvu, Betachti Sahar. they stood at the foot of the mountain, so with the exact same expression, Nitzavim, he uses a similar expression here, standing on the day of Moshe's passing. 
Verse 10, Tabchem, also your children, good morning, Nishechem, your wives, are all here. Vigercho, as well as those who are converts, those who were not born Jews, but those who became Jews, Asher Bekerev Machanecha, who are within your camp, Mechote Vetzecha, from the woodchoppers, Ad Shoev Memecha, to the water carriers, which at that time were the lowest forms of employment, woodchoppers and water carriers. It's like those who drive the sparklets and arrowhead trucks. Ten, Jack, Mechete Vetzecha, what was so special about the woodchoppers and water carriers that they are enumerated at the end of the list? So we learn here, Rashi tells us from the Medrash, Melamedis teaches us, Shebo Knanim, that a group of Canaanites came, Lihisgayer, to convert, Bimei Moshe, during the times of Moshe. Had they identified themselves as Canaanites, Moshe would have told them, no thank you. I can't accept you as converts. Kederech Shebo Givainim Bimei Yeshua. However, they came parading as someone other than Canaanites, similar to the story of the Gibbonites in the times of Yoshua, who said they came from a very faraway country. And this is what it says regarding the Gibbonites in chapter 9 of Joshua, that they also acted deceitfully, claiming that they were not Canaanites, but they were from a faraway country. Why does it say also? In the book of Yoshua, because the story in the book of Yoshua repeats itself from the story that happened to Moshe. Moshe, having accepted them as converts, kept his word, nevertheless wanted to keep them a distinct separate class because he didn't feel that they were 100% converts, so he designated them as woodchoppers and water carriers, and that is the story with this lowest class. However, they were accepted as Jews, so they were treated as Jews. They were also standing at the foot. Uh, they were also standing in this gathering, all gathered together, about to enter into a covenant with Moshe Rabbeinu. To quote a teaching that is often repeated in the teachings of Hasidus, that the portion of Nitzavim is always read before Rosh Hashanah. The word Hayom, you are standing here today, refers to the Yoma Dinaraba, to the day of great judgment. This refers to Rosh Hashanah. And the message here is that this portion is read in every synagogue throughout the world shortly before Rosh Hashanah. Atem Nitzavim Hayom, that you, every single Jewish man, woman, and child, are standing tall and you will be meritorious on your day of judgment, this is a form of a blessing to every Jewish man, woman of child, and child, leader, just a regular everyday Jew, that we will all, with God's help, be standing tall on this special day of Rosh Hashanah. What is the purpose of gathering together this group consisting of every Jew, eleven, 
says Moshe, the reason we're doing this is so that you should walk across or enter Bibris in the covenant Hashem of God your God, over Olosayan in his oath, Hashem which God your God, Kedis Imcha is about to enter into with you, Hayom, today. Why the expression to walk across? Because back then, the culture was, Derech Havora, passing, that was how people entered into covenants back then. Today they have signature signing parties and they have videos. Back then they did it a little bit differently. They made a barrier, a wall on each side. And they would walk in between these two parts. They would usually do that by taking an animal like a calf, cutting it in half, and walking between the two halves. That was, I guess, before PETA, when they were able to get away with stuff like this. The calf which they cut into two, and they passed between its two parts. That was the culture of entering into a covenant back then. That's why the expression stuck, to enter into a covenant. Verse 12, Leman Hakimaischa, why are we entering into this covenant, which has, which contains within it such severe language, describing what will happen to idolaters and to the Jewish people as a whole. If they turn idolatrous, it's all intended to preserve you. Leman, in order that Hakimaischa, to establish you, Hayim today, lo to him, lo om as a people. And he shall be to you as a God, as he promised you. So therefore we have to make sure that there are no pagan idolatrous practices going to enter into the Jewish people because that will destroy the Jewishness of Israel. As God swore to your patriarchs to your forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you will be his people, he will be your God. That's the purpose of this covenant, to make sure that this continues. Rashi, Laman, Hashem is going to all this trouble, allegorically speaking. Laman, in order that you be established before him as a people. Because he spoke with you. To your forefathers. That the children of the patriarchs, meaning the children of Israel, would never be exchanged by another people. That the relationship between God and the Jew is eternal. Therefore, because it is eternal, there has to be strict rules. That's why he binds you with these oaths, that you not provoke him, because he can't get rid of you. Let's take the parable, the analogy, which is one of the common analogies used to describe the relationship of God and the Jewish people, and that is the analogy of a husband and a wife. What happens if a husband and a wife don't get along and their marriage falls apart? What happens is they get divorced. But if there is a situation where the husband and wife can never get divorced, then what happens if the relationship deteriorates? It's a problem. That's what we call uh, 
a Catholic marriage. God and the Jewish people have, you should pardon the expression, a Catholic marriage. They can never get divorced. It's forever. So therefore, Hashem says, I have to make sure we're on the same page. Ad kan This was the simple interpretation. We're coming out of the portion of the admonition of the curses. Why comes this portion to follow that? Because the Jewish people, the children of Israel, just heard 100 curses minus 2. That's a poetic way of saying 98. In addition to the Amount of 49 back in Leviticus, their faces became green like Martians. And they said, Who can stand up before these curses? Who can survive this? Began to calm them and he said, You are standing here today. You're still here, right? You angered God terribly. And he didn't make an end to you. And you exist before him. Like this day, which exists, it gets dark and light, sunrise, sunset, swiftly through the years. So God illuminates for you. He will illuminate for you. And the curses and the afflictions. That's what allows you to exist, and places you before him. And the earlier portion is also a portion of consoling. Another meaning, why did Moshe gather together every Jew? Because the Jewish people were now being handed over from leader to leader. From Mimosha to Yoshua. From Moshe to Joshua. Therefore, also Esa Matzova, he caused them to line up, to stand, to report, in order to encourage them. Vechain also Yoshua, and the next generation, Joshua did the same. Vechain Shmuel, Samuel, when he handed them over to King Saul. That is the nature of what takes place when one leader hands over to the other. He gathers everybody together, sort of like a, an inauguration, a presidential inauguration. Fourteen. Uh, thir- uh, I'm sorry. Thirteen. Now he says in this very important verse, It's not only with you that I'm entering into, in, entering into this covenant and establishing this oath. Fourteen. Key because this also applies all of those who are here with us, standing today, before God our God, also all those who are not here, with us, Hayom. So where are they? Says Rashi, they weren't born yet. Even with all future generations, any man, woman, and child ever to be born as a Jew, any man, woman, and child ever to convert and become a Jew according to the laws of Moses, their souls were standing at that moment, were present at that moment to enter into this covenant relating to the terrible results of 
pagan idol worship. And now we go into the meat of the issue. Fifteen, we have to understand that nowadays pagan idol worship is not the cat's meow. It's not what everybody's dying to do. People don't wake up at three o'clock in the morning and say, Ooh, give me an idol. Ooh, except for American idol. But that, that doesn't count. So, back then, there was a terrific desire and the terrific Yetzirah, the evil inclination, was burning for pagan idol worship. That was the culture of the nations around them. That's what people believe brought success to people. And therefore, Jews had a, a desire to worship idols as well. And we needed all these verses to explain to the Jewish people not to engage in idol worship. In fact, we find that there were even kings of Israel, beginning with the first king of the ten tribes, Yeruvam ben Nevot, who legislated idol worship. And there was the king of Menashe. There were terrible cultures of idol worship. The first holy temple was destroyed as a result of the sin of idol worship. Then it says that Hashem had compassion upon the Jewish people, removed that desire, removed that compulsive yearning to idol worship and replaced it with a compulsive desire for money. Starts with M, money. So that is the idol of today. Fifteen, kiatem yedatem, for you all know, he was in New Orleans, for you all know, how we dwelled in the land of Egypt, and everything we went through, amongst the nations, which you crossed through. You were in so many lands, you were in so many places, you saw so much. Because you observe the nations. And perhaps one of the members of those nations enticed you to follow them into this culture of idol worship. Perhaps there is amongst you, as he says later in poetic expression, one rotten apple. You know that one rotten apple can make the whole crate rotten. Because this... Idolatry is infectious and contagious. It's like swine flu. Therefore, I have to cause you to enter into this covenant, to take an oath to understand that idol worship, this is no joke. This is serious stuff, and there are serious ramifications. 16, he goes on to explain what does journeying through various nations have to do with this. Vatiru, because you saw as shikutsehem, all of their detestable practices, as gilulehem, and all of their, this is a derogatory word, meaning idols, kesevizov, whether made of silver or made of gold, asherimohem, which were with them, you saw, you were exposed to their idols. Vatiru, as shikutsehem, al shem shemusim kishkotsim, why are they called shikutsehem, abominable, repulsive things? Because to them, they were idols. But to the objective eye, they're just detestable. How someone can worship a piece of silver or a piece of gold. 
because they smell like a loathsome thing. Some are made of wood, some are made of stones. Those people would keep in their living room because they're not afraid anybody will steal them. Because the member of the nation of the world is not afraid. Yore is not fearful. Because by and large, people don't steal wood and stone. But the idols that are of silver and gold, they keep with them in their safes. They're in their treasure chambers. Because they're concerned that they not be stolen. That's why there's a distinction between the wood and the stone idols and the silver and gold. 17. Lest there be amongst you, says Moshe, on the day of his death, either a man or a woman, a mishpacha or a family, a shevet or a tribe, Whose hearts, Asher Levava, whose heart, Fone Hayom is turning away today. Meim Hashem from God, our God. He's not interested in God. God is not his thing. What is he interested in, or what are they interested in, or what is she interested in? Laleches to go. Lavo to serve. Es Elihei Hagayim Hohem. The gods, the pagan gods of those nations. Pan perhaps there is amongst you, perhaps there be amongst you, Shadesh, a root, Pederesh Vilana, that is fruitful in gall and wormwood. Rashi explains what that means. What those poetic words mean. 17, Pan Shema Yeshbachem. Perhaps there be amongst you, perhaps there be a man, a woman, a group who are hesitant standing here accepting these covenant. You know, you don't want to accept a covenant and an oath when you're an idol when you're a closet idol worshipper. Shadesh Pedishvilana, Shadesh Megadalesa Barut that grows grass. Mar bitter kigidin, like wormwood, shame modern which are bitter. Claimer, that's poetry. That's a poetic expression. Mafre Umar Beresha Bekirbacham, which yields and multiplies wickedness amongst you. Vahaya eighteen it shall come to pass. Bishomai when he will hear, as the words of these of this curse. He's going to hear the words of this curse about Jews who are idolatrous. This is such an important verse because it describes a very important part of human nature. He's going to hear what that which is said, and he's going to literally bless himself in his heart, saying, even though I hear all of these terrible predictions, even though I'm listening to these curses, which will come about to Jews who worship idols, pagan idols, still he will bless himself in his heart, saying, Shalom Yeli, peace will be unto me. I'm going to be okay. How do people engage in activities that are dangerous? How do people engage in activities which carry with them terrible results? The answer is they say nothing's going to happen to me. They rationalize, they bless themselves, and they say, I'll be okay. That's human nature. Key, even though, Bishridus libi elech, I will walk following the freedom 
or the stubbornness of my heart. I'm going to do what I want to do. What about everything predicted to the people who do what you do? I'll be okay. Again, this is poetry. So that the watered be added with the dry. Rashi is going to explain what is the watered and what is the dry. Rashi 18. This is a sense of blessing. He'll think in his heart, a blessing of peace. Lots me for himself. Lamer saying, these curses will not befall me. Or as they say in Yiddish, okay. It's going to be good. Peace. Peace, brother. In old French. In the sight of my heart. I will do what my heart wants to do. What does it mean? The watered and the dry. So Hashem says, I will add punishment to him for all the sins that he committed up to now inadvertently because he's now sinning intentionally. He's going to be punished for the inadvertent, unintentional sins as well. Because up till now, up to now, any inadvertent sins, well, you see, I overlooked them. But now this act is causing that I will add them to the deliberate intentional sins. And I'll collect exacting punishment from all. The commentary of Unkelis interpreted this in a similar vein. In order to add to him the sins committed inadvertently to those committed deliberately. For I, God, will add to him the unintentional to the intentional. Therefore, watered refers to the sins committed inadvertently, accidentally. Because these sins are committed like a drunken man. A drunk doesn't know what he's doing. He knows wittingly and with desire, so I'll punish him for his inadvertent sins along with, it, with his intentional sins because he is pursuing idol, idolatry and idol worship. 19. God will not want to forgive him. Because then, God's anger and jealousy will be kindled against that man. And there will Come upon him. All of the curse, written in this book, and God will wipe out his name, blot out his name, under the heavens. Rashi He's talking about the human imagery here described for Hashem. It's all allegorical. Let's take a human being. Through anger, his body becomes heated. And the smoke comes from the nose, from the nostrils. The expression in the book of Samuel giving us, and the, the key word here is imagery of smoke arising in his nostrils. Even though, needless to say, this is not the condition of Hashem, because Hashem has no nose and He has no nostrils and He has no body, but our cause of Mashmiya is in the Torah. Allows the ear to hear 
Kederech in a way, Shiragila biachela lishmeya kipiderech aritz, that the human ear is able to hear, because that is the nature of human beings, which is why the Bible, the Torah, uses human allegory describing Hashem, so the human being can understand. God forbid we should ever take this literal or literally. Clad in a garment of vengeance, not to cause the attribute of vengeance to pass. 20, we're speaking about this person who was a closet idolater, who then caused others to stray. Hashem will set him apart for evil. Mikhail Shifta Yisrael from amongst all the tribes of Israel, like all of the curses of this covenant, Aksuva written, in this book of Torah. We see, it seems to be that the language of the Hebrew here, sometimes it says, which is masculine gender, and sometimes it says, Besefer HaTorah Hazos, feminine gender. In Hebrew, every word is either masculine or feminine. Hazos Loshon Ekeva, Musab Torah. So, the word Zos, feminine, refers to the Torah. The Torah is clearly feminine. Vizos HaTorah. Hazeh, Loshon Zohar, Hazeh, which is masculine. Musab Elasefer refers to the word book. Book is a masculine word. So when it refers to book, it's zeh. When it refers to Torah, it's zos. By the we follow the musical cantillations and we see whether it's referring to sefer or it's referring to Torah. In the section of curses, the tipcha, which is the hard note, is placed under besefer. And then a Torah zos are attached, are hyphenated, because Hazos refers to Torah. The Khan here, Hatipcha, the hard accent, Nisunatachas HaTorah, Nimtso Sefer HaTorah, Dukim Zelazes, so Sefer, and Torah together, the Pikach, Noshin Zacher, Nefalachem. The stress here is on the word Sefer, which is masculine gender. Shahaloshin Nefal Al HaSefer. 21, Yomar Hadera Achrein, and the next generation, the generation to come. Who is the generation to come? B'neichem, your children. Asher Yakumu, who will rise up me'acharechem after you. V'hanochri, and the stranger, the foreigner. Asher Yovei, me'aretz recheika, who will come to Israel from a faraway country and will see the devastation of the destruction of the exile. Remember, he's predicting here that exile will come about, destruction will come about due to idol worship. It's exactly what happened. So the future generation who will see the desolation of Israel, Vero, and who will see as is the plagues, Horatzahi of that land, Vestachalueho and its diseases, Asherchila Hashem Bo, which God caused it to suffer through. Gophis Vamelech, sulfur and salt, chemicals, Sreifa Chalartza, burning up the land. It cannot be planted, it cannot grow, greenery cannot sprout. Reminiscent of the overturning of Sodom Vamora, Admo Tzvoyim, of the countries, of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Asher Hopach Hashem, which God overturned, with His anger and wrath back then in biblical times. And all of the nations of the world will later, trying to reconstruct what happened, they'll say, Why did God do this to this land? Why such devastation and destruction? What is the anger of this terrible wrath? So the old guys in the old age homes will say, It's because they have forsaken as bris Hashem Hashem, the covenant of God, the God of their forefathers. Asher Koras Imam, who caused them to enter into this covenant, Behetzi when he brought them forth, may Eretz Mitzrayim, from the land of Egypt. Let's take a look for a moment. Verse 20. We have the words, Behivdilo. Hashem Lerah in the beginning of the verse, God will set him aside for evil, says the Balaturim, these three words, Vihivdila Hashem Lerah, have the numerical value of Hine Ze Yerovam. This refers to Yerovam, who was the first of the Israelite of the ten tribes kings, who legislated idol worship. Yerovam the son of Nevot. So Moshe is prophetically referring to Yerovam. Look at verse twenty one. It says, "We Omar Hader Ha'achrein Benechem Asher Yakumu Meacharechem." Says the Balaturim that the words Asher Yakumu Meacharechem. Asher begins with an Aleph. Yakumu begins with a Yud. Meacharechem begins with a Mem. That stands for Aleph, the king whose name begins with an Aleph. Ahab. Remember Ahab and Jezebel. He also legislated idol worship. Yerovam is the Yud. And the Mem stands for Menashe. They were the three kings of Israel who were the most wicked when it came to idol worship. So again, these words are already referring to these future kings. 25. Yelchu and they went. Vayabdu, and they served Elohim Achedim, other gods, Vayishtach Avulohem, and bowed down to them, Elohim gods, Asher that they never knew, Vilei nobody gave these gods to them. They're not Jewish gods. They're idols. They did not recognize in them any divine might. They just followed them because that was the vogue. These gods were not given to them as their portion. These gods didn't do anything good for them. And the meaning of the expression is that God, the God which they chose for themselves, didn't do any good for them. At least if it does good, we understand. But what good did it do? The idols never helped Israel. 27, And God uprooted them, from their country, from their land, with anger and wrath, and with great wrath, great indignation. And here we have a large lamid, 
and he cast them out, El Eretz Acheres, to another country, up to this very day. Referring to the devastation and destruction of the uprooting of the first commonwealth of Israel, which was a direct result of idol worship. Rashi Vayichem Hashem Kitagumi Vitaltalinun, and he exiled them. I am removing them, exiling them from their land. The Balaturim here says, first of all, on 27, Bi'af Ubechema Ubeketsev, with anger, wrath, and indignation, has the numerical value of 70, corresponding to the 70 years of that exile. The Babylonian exile lasted for 70 years. These three words have the numerical value of shivim of 70. Vayashlichem, the lamid is a extra large lamid, and also the word vayashlichem needs a yud. Lamid yud, this word is missing a yud. To tell us that first of all, the missing yud refers to the missing ten tribes, that the ten tribes were exiled earlier, before Judea, before Yehuda, before Judea. And the ten tribes, Vayashlichem, they were cast out with an extra big lamed. They were thrown so far, we haven't seen them since. And the closest we came to seeing the ten tribes are the Chumash Indians in Agura. <laughs> also, there are, in the next verse, there's a dot on the letter Ayin, Ad Olam, forever, Ayin has the numerical value of 70. This refers to the 70 years of the Judean exile. He also says that the Ayin later, and that's in the next verse, 70, refers to the fact that, and this is fantastic, Moshe Rabbeinu began to speak to the Jewish people 36 days before his death. He began the portion of Devorim. When was that? Rosh Chodesh Shvat. The first day of the month of Shvat. Moshe Rabbeinu passed away on the 7th of Adar. The rest of Adar went by. Ten days in Nisan went by. So you have the whole Shvat is 30 days. The whole Adar is 30 days. Ten days in Nisan, 30, 30 is 60. And 10 is 70. 70 days from the moment of the beginning of Moshe's talk until the day that they crossed the Jordan. That's another illusion of the 70. Closing verse, 28. Let's explain this verse using Rashi's interpretation. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to the children of Israel, listening to him, in case you're getting paranoid and everybody's popping Prozac. Because, hey, if there's a guy standing next to you who has an idol in his drawer, deep down buried under his shirts, you're going to suffer. He says, no. That which is secret that's between God and the guy. The guy's a closet idol worshiper. Hashem will deal with him. We're talking about that which is revealed. To us and to our children, Adolam, forever. When it comes to your attention, you've got to deal with it. 
all of the words of this Torah, Rashi, on it. And if you'll say, what should we do? You're punishing the many. Because of the thoughts of an individual. As it says earlier, maybe there's one man or one woman who is a closet idol worshiper. And then it follows by saying, you'll see the plagues of the land. One closet idolater brings plagues to the whole land. That's not fair. No one knows the secret thoughts of his neighbor. So he says, I'm not punishing you for those hidden thoughts. That belongs to Hashem. God will deal with that individual. That which becomes revealed to us, that which becomes revealed to our children, we have an obligation, Levire, to remove the evil from amongst us. And if judgment will not be brought about, then the public will also suffer. Now, if you see in the Chumash, and this is true in the Torah as well, Nokud, there are dots on top of the words Lonu and on top of the words Ulubonenu to us and to our children. Lidresh to explain that even for the revealed, he didn't punish the collective Jewish people until they crossed the Jordan. Why? We learned a couple of days ago that the, one of the first commandments that the Jewish people were enjoined to fulfill is gathering everyone at Mount Grisim and Mount Abel, having six tribes ascend Mount Grisim to receive the blessing, having six, drive, six tribes ascend Mount Abel to represent the curse and the Levites and the Kohanim in the middle. That was the point in time when the Jewish people accepted collective responsibility for each other. And we all became responsible for one and other. But up to that point in time, there was no collective responsibility to this extent per se. That is the end of today's Torah portion.